0: There's a reason that acts of service are one of the five love languages. Serving others really shows them that you care for their needs above your own. But as Aaron discusses today, taking the position of servanthood has an even more important role in our personal lives than in the lives of those that we serve. So get your notebooks out as we look at how Jesus, the incarnation of love, chose to serve. Welcome to the challenge.
1: Thursday night with you guys. This is my favorite thing to do. If I haven't met you yet, my name is Erin. It could be like, for Leslie, she's like, I've met you three times. <laughs> so I'm so sorry. I can't see your faces. That's my only excuse because like you all look alike when you only can see this much. So um, if I keep introducing myself to you, I apologize. But um, I'm Erin. I'm glad you're here. I'm continuing in the series as I have loved you. We have been looking at the life of Jesus. And considering how he loved those that he encountered. So if you're going to experience the life that you crave and really the life that God desires for you to have, then you need to learn how to love others, right? So our theme passage for this series has been in John 13, 34, and 35, which says, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. So when Jesus spoke these words, he was at the very end of his life. He knew that his ministry was wrapping up, and he had spent three years pouring his life into 12 men, into hundreds of others, but essentially these 12 men who he knew and loved so deeply. So, as I have loved you, direct quote from that passage, that he loved them like as Neil talked about a few weeks ago, he accepted them, he befriended them, and he also served what we're going to be looking at tonight is serving. I don't know about you, but, but loving people doesn't come naturally to me. I easily can love myself and my plans for the day and my agenda, but loving other people is hard. It doesn't come naturally to me. It's something that I have to learn and have to practice again and again and again and again, each and every day making the choice to do that. And we see here Jesus talking about loving people. And one of the ways that Jesus did that from the very, inception of the incarnation is serving. He came to serve. He said that again and again. And serving is part of loving, right? It's a vital aspect of loving people. And it's not enough just to do the activity of serving on occasion. It needs to become part of who we are because it was part of who Jesus was. If we want to be like him, he was a servant and he invites us to choose to be like him. I think one of the reasons Maybe you and I don't always come across as very loving. Perhaps it could be, maybe this will hit a little too close to home, hit close to home for me, is that we aren't serving, that we aren't a servant like he was. Jesus' teaching and his life modeled for us that serving should be a part of the very fabric of our lives. It's a holistic thing. Looking to meet needs, not something that's just tacked on as an afterthought. So tonight, we're going to look at a couple of passages of scripture. And to begin with, I'd like to know if you guys have ever seen the television show Undercover Boss. I've never seen it either. But you. <laughs> but do you know what it's about? Okay, yeah. So it's about like these, you know, businessmen who pretend to be like lowly employees um, to identify like how, what the work environment is like and how it can be improved. And also maybe to like, reward exemplary employees. And so I think sometimes it's easy for us to think, well, that's kind of just what Jesus was, right? He was just undercover boss, came to earth. But no, no, really that wasn't it at all. And that wasn't how he came or why he came. When Jesus came in the form of a servant, he was not disguising who God is. He was revealing who God is. So first of all, tonight, I'd like us to spend some time looking at God as a servant before we look at some specific examples from the life of Jesus. so But before that, I'd like to start with just a basic definition of serving. So serving is to be useful or of service, to help. Let's say that together. Some crowd participation, please. To be useful or service, to help. So the passage we're going to look at is Philippians 2, verses 5 through 11. It says this. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, as he already existed in the form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a bondservant. And being born in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, death on a cross. For this reason also, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. So at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So one pastor wrote about this verse 5, and I thought it was so profound, that actually the correct way of reading that passage is to take that little verb as the cause of Christ's action. It's like for example, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who precisely, because he was in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God to be grounds for grasping, but poured himself out taking on the very nature of a servant. So God is the infinite servant. That's what we see. He is the most humble, being in the universe. Jesus did not come as a servant in spite of the fact that he was God, but precisely because he is God, he came as a servant. This said of Jesus in his second coming, when he will come again in Luke twelve thirty seven, blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at the table, and he will come and serve It's always his heart to serve. And sometimes, I don't know about you, but one of the reasons I struggle with the idea of serving is that sometimes I feel like it's beneath me, right? Like, isn't someone else more appropriate for that task than moi? I mean, I have a graduate degree. I deserve a better treatment than this, right? No, but it's important to stop and remember, like, Aaron, who do you think you are? That God, the God of the universe did not think beneath him to become a human being. He who is God served humans. It's not beneath me to serve other people. The primary reason that Jesus calls us to servanthood is not because other people need us, right? It's because of what happens to us when we serve. The reason we help others, it's not because we're so strong. You know what, like people aren't calling me up asking me to help them move. I'm not very strong, right? I can scrub kitchen sinks and toilets and bathrooms, but I'm not very strong. People don't need me. It's because of what happens to us when we choose to serve, what happens inside of us. Because as human beings, we are consumed with ourselves. And so serving actually does damage to that streak in us that says life is all about me, and I want things done my way. It's interesting when you look at Alcoholics Anonymous and how they operate. It's anonymous, right? And it's anonymous to protect the people who are part of it. But it's also anonymous because the founders of Alcoholics Anonymous realized that there's something in all of us that wants to be known and wants to be celebrated, and there's just a lure to become a celebrity. And so they didn't want AA to be a, a tool or a vehicle for anyone to be famous as a result of it. In fact, they wanted people to know the only way to life was to remain in the fellowship of drunks. That was the way to find their way out of it, right? And similarly with us, to see servanthood as Jesus' invitation, we are a society of sinners, right? We're just one beggar showing another beggar where to get bread. And so we're not better than each other, but serving is so helpful to us because of what it does inside of us. So the example from Jesus' life that we're going to look at tonight actually comes from a few verses before that John 13, 34, and 35 that I read earlier. This is found in John 13, verses 1 through 5 and 12 to 15. And this may be a very familiar passage to some of you. So this was Jesus... he laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. And he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. When he had finished washing their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If then, Your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, so you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should also do as I have done to you. So what can we learn from the life of Jesus regarding serving? I'd like to suggest three things. The first thing is circumstances aren't the deciding factor circumstances aren't the deciding factor. If you look at what was going on in Jesus' life, he knew. He knew he was at the very end of his life. He knew he was about to die. He was with the men who were closest to him. And it says clearly he loved them. So this was the last time they were going to be gathered together as the 12 plus him. And this is what he chose to do. And if you look at verse 2, it says, during supper, and then verse 4, he arose from supper. So he was eating. He was in the, I think it was like mid-bite. He's eating a meal with these other men. They were eating. It wasn't like a random night of the week when he was sitting around wondering, I wonder what I should do today? I have absolutely nothing else to do. No, he was in the middle of something. They were in the middle of something too, right? In our lives, we can often see it serving as an interruption. Like, I have this day planned, and your need is circumventing, my agenda for the day, but perhaps the interruption in our day is the very thing God has planned for our day. So I would encourage you as you're looking at your schedule to build a little margin into your schedule because rarely do people's needs come when you have absolutely nothing else going on. So to be available and even to choose to put aside what you're doing to meet someone's need is choosing to do what Jesus did. So circumstances aren't the deciding factor. The second thing is, the worthiness of people isn't the deciding factor. Let's take a closer look at the men whose feet were being washed. So Judas was hours away from betraying Jesus. Peter was hours away from denying Jesus. And the rest of them were hours away from running away in fear because of what was going on with Jesus. So in his moment of greatest need, those were the people who he was surrounding his life with, and they were about to enter into some poor choices, we should say, right? So you've got a betrayer, you have a denier, and you have a room full of cowards, and that is who he decided that he was going to serve in his last hours on earth. And he told them, you go into the world, and when you meet people who deny you, betray you, and maybe run away, Leverage the freedom that you have found in me and serve and meet needs and show them who I am, not because they deserve it, but because of the example of Jesus, because of how encountering him has so changed each of us. And to me, I find that unbelievable because I don't know about you, but I struggle to serve people who annoy me and irritate me. I'm like, no, you're someone else's problem. I will serve people I enjoy being around. And that's not what we see in this passage at all, is it? Not at all. That Jesus didn't allow how they treated him or they, how they were going to treat him because he knew to dictate how he treated them. Like, let that sink in. Wow. That's huge. So he didn't let the worthiness of people be the deciding factor. And the last thing is that my decision or my position is not the deciding factor. My position is not the deciding factor. Now remember who Jesus is. We read in verses 3 and 4, Jesus knowing that The Father had given all things into his hands. He had come from God. He was going back to God. He rose from supper, laid aside his outer garments, and taking a towel, he tied it around his waist. Jesus knew exactly who he was. He knew he was God in flesh. He knew exactly what he was doing. And he knew exactly what he wanted them to experience and the example he wanted us to follow. You see, love was the deciding factor. He loved them. This is the posture. This humble posture of love. That I see a need that you have and I'm going to need it. Not because you need me, but because I need help with the selfishness in my heart taking this posture. That's the posture that Jesus took. One of love. You know, it's so interesting because when you read the accounts of Jesus' life and you read writings of the early church fathers, you see that serving is far more about who serves than the one that's being served. That God created us in such a way that serving actually does damage to our incredibly self-centered nature. Especially serving in secret when there's no one to be, oh, you did Christopher, I'm so proud of you. Thank you for picking that up, or whatever, doing all the dishes. Or it's not like loudly unloading the dishwasher so everybody knows what you're doing right now. Or I've never done this, but leaning the cleaning supplies out just so they know. Maybe the fresh Lysol scent isn't enough, but just so they know what I've been about. and Maybe they'll be motivated that it's their turn next, right? Like, this is how this works. I serve you, you serve me. But ping pong, back and forth. That's not what we see in the life of Jesus, is it? Nothing, nothing like that. So we choose to serve like Jesus I'm not waiting till i feel like it or i i really love the people i'm serving because i don't know about you but they will be waiting forever because my heart is fickle and i don't love easily it's hard to love and so if you see something do something you heard see something say something now you're see something do something right because i can allow the self-centered part of me to control me but if i'm serving myself i'll eventually be by myself because nobody wants to be around someone who's so consumed with themselves right those people are so hard to be around because they think the world revolves around him i don't know anyone like that sometimes i look at her in the mirror in the morning and like who are you but yeah that's me the world revolves around me and i have to do damage to that intentionally or else i just become a person that no one wants to be around right but i think all of us would acknowledge that we do feel better When we serve, even people who are not followers of Jesus sign up for service projects and would tell you vast majority of them, oh my goodness, yeah, I felt renewed and energized after I served, right? You know why? It's because we are all created in the image of God and that God created us in such a way that living to please myself is depleting and draining over time. It seems like initially it's a great idea, but over time it is an ugly way to live. So for those of us who are followers of Jesus, when we choose to be obedient to his example, it is so life-giving. It's his life at work in us. So you may be asking, and if you're not asking, I'm going to ask for you. How could you begin to grow in this area of serving? And I would like to suggest a few things. Um, First thing is, begin by asking, how can I help? To train yourself ask this at home, like your home here, like party tower, and maybe your home home with your mom and your dad and your siblings. You know, at my group, at Freshman Connection, at a friend's birthday party, you know, wherever you are, say, hey, how can I help? As soon as you walk in the door, you know, if you're ever around children, children need to be asked, can you pick that up, please? Can you take that to your room? Like that's kids need to be trained in that way. But for us who are trying to grow in our relationship with God and seek to become like him, hopefully less and less we're going to need to be asked to do things, and more and more we're going to ask how we can help, right? Because if you look at the story we just read, no one asked Jesus to wash their feet, right? Jesus saw a need. Um, He was in the highest position of them all. He was God, and he washed the feet of those in the lower position. He loved them. He chose to do that. So the first thing is to begin to ask, how can I help? The second thing is, to build margin into your daily schedule, to build margin into your daily schedule. I know that it goes against everything in USC culture, that if you're not running around like a crazy person all day long, you are a worthless human being. That is not true. That is nowhere in scripture. So you can like have a a breath during the day and be totally valued by God and by other people. So build margin into your daily schedule. Another suggestion would be to observe to slow down, to notice. Like, I was, I can't remember who I was talking to, oh, Vespera this week, and we were sitting outside the FedEx store. Do you know how many people order boxes they can't carry at the FedEx store? A lot of people, huge Ikea, Ikea, they order a lot from Ikea. So maybe you could just, for 30 minutes, I'm gonna sit outside the FedEx store and just see who I can help. Like, who can, can I help just carry this across the street, just get you one step closer to your home? Or maybe, have you seen people with backpacks and crutches have you ever put on crutches? I haven't, but I think it would be terrible. I, I just look at your armpits, like it'd just be awful. But maybe offer to carry their backpack, because they're carrying their whole body weight. So you carry your backpack and their backpack, and just walk them to class. There's all sorts of things if you just stop and notice, that person's really struggling, how can I help? And just take initiative. Some people are like, I do not want your help. I am perfectly capable. OK, OK. Other people are like, thank you. I was dying, you know? So be the person, ask, slow down, notice. Last thing, take initiative, ask, how can I help? I don't don't know you, but I would be, I'm I'm honest, I will not steal your bag, I promise. But you look like you're struggling and I would love to help you. So take initiative, not waiting for someone else to do it. Like, there's a strong guy at that table, I think he should ask to help. No, no, you weakling, ask if you can help. (laughs) And together, you can make a new friend by asking how you can help, right? We all need friends. The world will be a better place if you have more friends. So doing these things will require at least two things, probably more, but we're only going to talk about two. The first thing is humility, right? Thinking less about ourselves. Choosing humility. That's what we saw Jesus do that night and over and over again in his life. The second thing is trusting God with the time that you're giving away. So humility and trusting God with the time you're giving away. I don't know about you, but I have a lot of fear about time in my life. How am I going to get it all done? Or if I help this person, then how am I going to get this stuff done over here and that God is big enough and he's strong enough and he's able enough to make it all work. And so trusting him with the time you're giving away. So in wrapping up, I'd like to read a quote by Dallas Willard. I don't know if you guys have heard of him. He was a professor of philosophy here and kind of known as our generation, C.S. Lewis, like an incredibly gifted man, a gentle giant. But he says things far better than I could ever say. So I just want to read this quote. It was from a book we read in a summer leadership program two summers ago. He says, you will remember that Jesus said, I am among you as one who serves in Luke 22 27. He also said, whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant. in Mark 10, 44. By the way, it is a dreadful... It is dreadful to see this recommended as only another technique for succeeding in leadership. Jesus wasn't giving techniques for successful leadership. He was telling us who the great person is. He or she is the one who is servant of all. Being a servant shifts one's relationship to everyone. What do you think it would do to sexual temptation if you thought of yourself as a servant? What do you think it would do to covetousness? What do you think it would do to the feeling of resentment because you didn't get what you thought you deserved? I'll tell you, it will lift the burden. So in conclusion, do not hear me say that by serving you are earning favor with God because you are not. God is not measuring his relationship with you by your performance. No, no. Serving is a choice. It's a choice that you and I get to make to put ourselves in a position to meet the needs of someone else. And in so doing, to put ourselves in a position to free ourselves from our selfish, self-consumed, self-seeking heart. Again, there are very few things in our life that expose our selfishness and really work to reach those hard-to-reach sin areas in our heart like serving does. So I, I challenge you tonight, if you see something, do something. And you won't be able to do something every single time. It's just not possible. I I know we do not have time for that. But ask God, God, does this one have my name on it? Is this a need you want me to meet? And not every need will have your name on it. Not every single time. Some will and some won't. But when you sense the Holy Spirit say, this one's for you, you're putting yourself in a position to do more damage to that selfish streak that is stronger than steel, running up and down that heart of yours and becoming more and more like Jesus. So what this looks like in my life, a quick example is our church has a lot of children and there's many opportunities to help with childcare. And I don't like helping with childcare, <laughs> <laughs> really ever. I, I like children who have my DNA, who are related to me and I love them. and Those are my people. But other people's children? I'm like, oh my goodness. Um, so so I, I will hear the announcement at church and I'll be like, I think it's someone else's turn. I really don't want to do this. And so I'll be like, okay, God, I'll ask Stacy, who's head of the kids, next week. I'll just see. Next week, hey, Stacy, do you still need help hoping that this week someone else will already do it? Because I'll remind God, you know, I did it last time. And you know what happened last time? <laughs> it was not pretty. Um. And then I ask Stacy, and she's like, "Oh yes, Erin, because what church ever has, has enough volunteers?" <laughs> so we're like, "Oh gosh, okay, I'll do it." And so, I honestly, it is—it is not fun, not while I'm there, and not after. It is not life-giving to me in any way. But to me, it's important to serve when I don't want to and when I don't like it, because there's other, there are opportunities to serve when I enjoy it, and that doesn't do as much to the selfish streak in me as serving when I don't want to and I don't like it. Now, don't hear me say I hate children. I do not hate children. There's just some children that are easier to love than others. And I think we all know what I'm talking about. Um, but just, it's it, when you see me walk into Kids Zone, you'll know, Erin, she's been feeling self- God is getting her attention. Because um, it'll be like, yes, Erin, and like neon lights. Erin, Kelsey Gillum, this one is for you. Take the toddlers, no, <laughs> um, but yes. So putting ourselves in positions to do things that maybe we don't want to do, or maybe we're not good at, but in order for God to really do a work that only He can do in your life, and this changes communities and it changes families as we begin to love like Jesus and serve each other. You know, tonight I'm gonna cry about this, and it's not my—I'm just tired. Um, So my brother lives a long way from here in Riverside, for those of you who don't know, but we have a freshman retreat tomorrow and my car's not big enough. I don't have enough room in my car to bring, there's hungry people coming this weekend and I have a small compact car. So I was like, hey, can I borrow a car? Can we switch cars? Like, "Oh sure. And I was like, I don't, there's been a little drama with the breakfast. So like, tomorrow's like looking a little bit busier than I thought. I was like, I have to go for challenge tonight. I'll, I'll be there. He was like, I'm going to meet you halfway. I was like, no, you don't have to. He's like, I'm meeting you halfway. And I was like, Thank you. Not because he has to. Not because you're my sister. You know, if mom finds out about this, how late you were on the road, I'm going to get an earful. No, not like that. Because he loves me and he loves God and he wants to be a part of what God's going to do this weekend at the freshman retreat. And I'm so grateful. And I honestly think, and you guys can ask me about this next Thursday, my car is filthy and I pretty much could put money on it that when I pick my car up on Sunday, it'll be washed because that's my brother. He's a servant. And I am honored to be a part of a family that does this. How can I help? And what a, a neat thing if we as a Christian challenge family begin to live this out. What would happen on this campus if we began to, to live like Jesus and to love like Jesus, so that people saw that in John 13, 34 and 35, that we don't just claim to be followers of Jesus, but they see him in us by the way we love each other. And one of the ways we love each other is we serve. And we don't just serve each other who we know. We serve people we don't know. We serve people who we may never know their names, but giving them a glimpse of the heart of Jesus. And there is no greater thing that we could do during our days. So thank you so much for listening tonight. Let me pray, and then we're going to welcome back up the worship team. Father, thank you. Thank you so much that you are the ultimate servant. Thank you for the example that you provide. Thank you that for your word that clearly details for us your heart and how you want us to live i pray that you would radically do a work in each of us that we would choose to do damage to the selfish streak inside of us and to become more and more like you as you grow in us a heart to serve that god we would be observant and see the needs around us and that we would do something by your power and with your help trusting that you will meet our needs and help us to finish the task that we have to get done that day we love you and thank you for all the ways that you are so good to us Amen
0: thanks for listening to the usc christian challenge podcast you can find us and leave a review on your favorite podcast platforms we meet in person every thursday night at 7:30 p.m in tcc 450 on the campus of the university of southern california if you're in the area we would love to see you there Get involved and find out more about us, upcoming events such as our fall conference and weekly small groups on Instagram at USC Challenge and on our website, uscchristianchallenge.com. See you next Monday.